What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by the people of Patreon. Thank you guys very much for supporting the show. I have links to Patreon below. We are also brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. If you want a grumpy man to take your blood, then reach out to Dave if you're in the UK. <laughs> now, they do a hell of a job. They're doing a great service to the UK. Um, go to evalbloodanalysis.com. And of course, thank you to Strom Sports Nutrition for helping us out with the show. They have great uh, health supplements, great health blends, especially if you are... If you're on the special supplements, you want to hook up with them. Um, also, oh, by the way, I have to bring up some stuff, man. I'll, I'll show you in a little bit. Uh, Rick Foster was getting inundated with <laughs> people asking him for free supplements. Keep it up, guys. Keep asking Rick, and eventually he's going to crack. And I'll send you a lifetime free supplements. I have no idea what this about. What this about? I have no idea what this is about. Good podcast, though. I also don't know what this is about. I don't know what you've been saying, Scott, but stop it. We are also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. Dave, we have uh, a topic, if you will. This topic relates to, um, we'll call them uh, liquid orals. Okay, liquid orals, not to be drank, but to be taken other ways. We had a listener who asked about, and I've never heard about this before. He said, um, would you be better off using, okay, I got to say the word, injectable T-ball. He says, question for Dave, do you see any benefit to running injectable T-ball over oral as they are both methylated? Same question for Anadrol. Main thing is bioavailability. Um, so orals are fat soluble. So they can bind with non-dietary fat. That was your phone, by the way, just so you know. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was your wife's? Yes. Ha. Mrs. Ugh. Crossland. Guys, direct yeah. all your hate to Mrs. Crossland this week. If you dare. <laughs> yeah, you probably just want to keep your mouth shut. Um, so the bioavailability is the main thing. Um, oral administration, it can bind with fats, non-dietary fats, and you can lose a portion of the compound as it passes through your digestive system. Sure. You're still going to get the pass-through by the liver as an injectable, but you're going to get a much stronger, greater bioavailability through an injectable administration format than you are through an oral administration format. And, and and that's the main difference at the end of the day. That's basically it. Yeah. I, I can tell you that, um, you know, I, I ran my most recent injectable D-ball experience and um, it, it had... 15-year out-of-date D-ball, we might add. <laughs> it worked great, man. It worked fantastic. It, uh, I had 25 milligrams taken an hour or so before training. Sometimes, I would, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I'm going to train right now, and I'd take it right then and then be training 10 minutes later, and it's still like I still got the effect, right? Just 25 milligrams at the time I was running just TRT. So anyway, um, that, that worked fantastic, really. And I got zero appetite issues. A lot of times with orals, I'll start suffering like inability to eat my food. My appetite just goes away. So I don't know if it is the, the, the stress on the liver, if it has to do with my digestion. But one of the two or something about that greatly affects my ability to get the food in. 
versus the injectable version, I don't experience that. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you're going to see some aggravation of the stomach through an oral, uh, um, you know, administration of anabolics. Not everybody, but but to most extent, most people. Liver liver stress can also affect appetite. That's that's very sure. But uh, I think it is more, in most cases, a direct agitation of the stomach um, yeah. that causes a lack of uh, the uh, desire to eat. Yeah. The other thing that has been focused on more recently, like we didn't talk about this back 15 years ago, is carrier oils and solvents. A lot of times the injectable orals, they use super solvents to suspend them and uh, to dilute them, you know. So you're more likely to get a toxic solvent when using an injectable oral, from what I understand. I've never made them personally, so I, I can't speak to personal experience in making that yeah but I, I think one of the things as well with injectable orals is that we're still dosing them as we would with orals yeah so as a result the dose administration is still quite low comparatively i will tell you though that it is it is stronger you like you mentioned you know you that that bioavailability of of an injectable versus having to be go through your digestion and everything else and get broken down um, that 25 milligrams is a lot stronger than an mm. oral 25, you know? Oh, you're going to get a much bigger hit. There's no, no doubt about that. I mean, uh, your, your, your roots of administration in, in regards to effectiveness or, or how quickly it gets into your system and how purely it gets into your system, oral is sort of pretty much the worst. And then we've got uh, IM or we've got IV, and obviously IV is the most direct way you can introduce a chemical compound into your body because it goes straight into your bloodstream. There's no filtration. There's nothing. It's not having to filter through muscle tissue. It's bumped straight in there. Yeah, and you don't um, want to do that with an oil-based compound. No, no. Oh, God, you'd be coughing <laughs> your ass up for about three hours. Yeah, you'd have some problems. You don't want that running straight to your heart. Yeah, no. It, yeah, you would You would have a massive con uh, construction of the lungs, uh, causing you to cough violently. You'll Ugh. most likely get dizziness, headaches, pains in your jaw, um, or et cetera, et cetera, if you try to do that. All right. Well, we got a bunch of stuff here. Um, we did get a bunch of comments because we talked about your phone going off. And a lot of people were like, yeah, I hate the phone. But full um, ROM fitness says, I love how Uncle Dave's phone goes off every episode. <laughs> he likes you. It's, well, you see, <laughs> it adds to the uniqueness of the experience of this pile of crap that we put out every week. <laughs> So I wanted to tell you about something before we got into our Q&A. By the way, guys, if you want to take part in the next show, then comment below. You guys loaded us up with questions. Every time we put an episode out, we are recording the show about 24 hours later. So if you get your comments in, get your questions in, we will do our best to answer them. We got a bunch today. Um, I wanted to show you this. Have you heard anything about this, Dave? This is a, a big program going on right now called Natural Is Enough. You know about this? No, never heard of it. Yeah, me either. Me either. This is what it is. So WADA and a company called Red Torch launch hashtag natural is enough. Okay. But when I read that word. Oh, pull, pull that picture back up. 
Okay, hold on a second here. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. Were you questioning whether they were natural or not? Well, a hair color is not natural. No, it isn't, is it? No. There is that. But I think they're talking about PEDs. Which is the... the well, the... yeah, but so... So, yeah, well, yeah, okay. I... Go on. No, it's okay. I'm going to show up. <laughs> the World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA, has launched a new digital campaign created by research, content, and creative agent uh, Red Torch to raise awareness of the dangers of anabolic steroid use among young people 15 to 24. Supported by fitness influencers across Europe, WADA is inviting young people to join the natural training movement because natural is enough. The campaign will run from 20 November to 17 December. Now, let me, I, it says natural is enough and I get it. But if you look at this hashtag, doesn't that look like naturals enough? Like two L's? It does. The other thing that I get, so... I mean, obviously, I am assuming here, so I will happily stand corrected if I am wrong with this. So they have a load of online fitness influencers supporting this campaign. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, are these online fitness influencers posting up pictures without filters, without angles? Huh. Are they posting up flat, natural light pictures showing them in their true form or are they using angles and lighting and filters to post up pictures that make them look better than they actually are so if they are then why not cut all that bullshit in the first place and then you might not have people trying to strive to unrealistic goals that aren't achievable naturally because of all the bullshit that there is online about well i am natural and i look like this no you don't that's filters that's angles that's lighting here's a big post that they made don't need to take shortcuts. Your dedication to training enough. and right. discipline is enough. Join the natural training movement today and share your own natural training photos, videos, and stories using the hashtag #NaturalIsEnough. So here's I the thing, though: it's not. It doesn't look like it's taking off to me because I literally only see like two or three people that posted. I have no issue with, with any campaign that supports natural training. Uh, to be honest, I'd probably in some way support it myself because I think it's a, it's a stepping stone. Exhaust your natural before you start to go to the assisted. If yeah. you want, but I'm not, in, I'm not in judgment for someone who jumps that and goes assisted early. That's yeah. a personal choice. I don't have an issue with that. But what I have an issue with, and I have to say, I am being assumption, I am assuming quite a lot here is that a large number of people move to anabolics because they're frustrated about their lack of progress because the physiques they look up to aren't real. Mm. Because they're angled or they're, you know, filtered or the pictures are done in such a way to create an image of an individual that isn't actually what that individual looks like. Yeah. So you want to help a campaign that supports people trying to make the best of their natural ability, then get rid of all that bullshit to start with. Because if you get rid of all that lies and crap 
and you start people being open and honest about what they actually have to do to achieve their physique in the way of diet, work ethic, sacrifice, etc. else, and that are posting real pictures of how they look, let's start with that. And then yeah. you might find people are less driven to anabolics because they realize that their goal isn't what they think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And, and here's the thing. Um, it doesn't look like this thing is taking off, unfortunately. I'm all for natural training, to be completely honest. You know what I mean? And, and I would hate to see people use gear because they felt pressured into it i i don't know man i never felt pressured into using gear i felt like i just wanted to see what i could achieve and i knew that i wouldn't be able to do that naturally you know as far as pushing to the absolute limits yeah i mean there's there's limits as a natural um and there's limits as an assisted i i think a big driver in all this is that our whole community and i'm not just talking about bodybuilding i'm talking about the wider fitness community yeah is effectively full of shit it's just bullshit it's smoke and mirrors it, it's a load of bollocks from from the overcomplication of diets and training yeah. to the over necessity of bloods which is what we discussed the other week with with victoria uh through to you know I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but there is a guy who I know who used to post pictures online. And um, I'll, I'll try and dig the pictures out and send them in privately. Uh, and the guy was built like a, a stick insect, but because of the angles he used and the way he uh, looked like he had a bloody good physique. Yeah, yeah well, you see that all the time. Anybody who's competed, they see the hashtag or whatever for the contest they're in. And a lot of my guys that I work with, I tell them, like, hey, try not to focus too much on looking at what the other competitors are going to look like. Because the reality is, is that and people see it firsthand that you show up at the show and nobody looks the way that they did online and it could be I mean, it can really be a head game when you see that you know yeah, we've online. all done it we, we all post the pictures that make us look good we don't post the pictures that make us look bad yeah yeah you know that that's human nature but at the same time don't be claiming it's anything that it's not that's the bit that pees me off yeah you know in the same way we have we have the false natty brigades and everything else it's like look i don't give a sh if you're taking four gram a trend yeah yeah just, just just be honest about what you do so people can see the reflection of that to how you look you know i've got more respect for a guy that looks meh at best but is busting his balls the best he can and he's open and honest about that fact and the fact that he takes nothing to a guy that's using angles and filters and everything else on on a, a cycle and then claiming or just ignoring that part of the conversation when they they look oh look at me look how good i am yeah and you know men have anabolics women have botox and god knows what else when it comes to changing the way they look all right well but, listen we gotta we gotta yeah. move on we've got I'm about gonna, 100 I'm gonna, I'm gonna rant so let's move on we got a hunt. You already did. You already did for ten minutes. It's all right. Oh, I'm not. I'm warming up. I haven't even started so yet. I think Dave has had a day. Dave was busy today. We started the show a little bit late. He was out doing Dave stuff. Dave work stuff, and uh, he's kind of grumpy, guys. He's had a long day, 
in the office. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not grumpy. I just my bullshit meter's not working very well today. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, my bullshit tolerance is quite low today. That's all. I just, it just, it's. I see it every day online, even from people I know and and, and people I expect. It's like, fuck off. You know. What I mean? <laughs> All right. Question for the next episode: uh, Do you, would you believe that Decker or NPP would fix or decrease pain from nerve compression? Personally, I yes. feel like NPP yes. fixed uh, my Saturday night palsy. Right. I I can't give you any science. Um, some of you may remember Darren Stansby. Darren died a few years ago. He had a terminal brain condition called cerebral ataxia. Um, in in very simple terms his brain was sort of dying from the inside out Um, one of the problems with this was a very high level of nerve pain Um, Mm. in fact his nerve endings would just send pain signals randomly all over his body to the point where he passes out the pain levels were that high poor guy Uh, he was a disabled strongman um, and he did compete Uh, he, he, he had competed at the Arnold's as well he, he he held a disabled deadlift record for a while, and he used Decker, um, and his pain substantially reduced when he was on Decker. Now he was very open with his neurosurgeons or whatever they were. I'm not quite sure what what the class of person was that was looking after him, neurologist, um, and they they actually said look if it helps and it's working because you're gonna die anyway there's no secret of that you know you're well aware this is terminal you will pass if it helps the quality of your life they had no issue with him cracking on with it um but never got to a point where they could understand what it was doing that was doing this but it had a significant impact on reducing his nerve pain now decker is anti-inflammatory to some extent so whether it was part of that mechanism or something else i don't know but yes i have seen that in somebody who had a severe nerve pain issue actually have a huge impact on the quality of their life when they were using decker Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that, but I hadn't mm. talked to anybody who had a situation like this. That guy did. How about this one? Um, low dose of Letro. Is that better than ADEX? Not a fan of Letro. Uh, safe is not a terminology I would particularly use. Letro is super, super effective. Uh, 96% efficient, I think, is the stats around it very powerful and i.e i've seen people in the past in fact in that case there is a bottle of spray microdose letra uh it was a stumbling glue on microdose thing i'm still not convinced that that a small dose of the sledgehammer is going to be less negative than a, a reasonable dose of something like ADEX or aromacin. My personal favorite is aromacin simply because it doesn't affect HDL levels in the same way. Um, but it has its limitations. It's not the most powerful AI. Yeah. ADEX is much more well-rounded and, and much more robust, but it does have a negative on, on, on HDL. And Letro have an extreme negative on HDL, but it's very, very powerful. Um Personally, no, I, I would stay away. Uh, but I, I have seen people microdose it, and they seem to be quite happy with it. But it never stayed around. It didn't last long. So usually that's a good indication that 
people have prepared to go back to ADEX for whatever reason. So I, I was thinking about this and I, I looked up the half-lives because if you were to just ask me based off of experience, not looking at what anything said in the literature, um, I, I would have thought that Letro had the longest half-life. And the reason I say that is because whenever anybody's had any kind of estrogen issue, it seems like Letro takes the longest to get it under control. And then once it does, usually somebody's overdosed it and then they end up too low, you know, at, at the end. But it, it turns out that Letro has like a 40 something hour half-life. They say Arimidex, now this is a wide range, 30 to 60 hour half-life. And, and then um, Aromacin being the shortest at a 24 hour half-life. But the way I've always seen it is, let's say somebody experiences gyno and they're like, okay, I'm gonna hit the Letro. In fact, I knew a guy, he didn't have anything else on hand. I happened to have a bottle of research grade Letro that I was confident in. And I was like, here, dude, just take this, you know, have it, see if this helps. Uh, he didn't have anything else available. <coughs> so it took like three weeks in that situation. And that's not the only situation I've I've seen like this, but he's just one example. It took like three weeks for him to get any type of relief. Whereas I feel like a Rimidex is much faster than that. Yeah, I mean, Letrol is, is, is strong. And obviously a lot of this is dose dependent as well. Even with a slower half-life, if, if you take enough of it, levels are still gonna peak. Sure, sure. Um, but it's, as a one-off or something to get you out of this shit, fine, don't have an issue. As a long-term estrogen management approach, no, I, I, I wouldn't be a fan. Yeah. And also, too, you know, we talked before about um, <coughs> estrogen clearance. You know, if you can, instead of focusing a lot on the AI, if you could focus on getting the, the liver and the gallbladder to work efficiently at producing the enzymes you need to break down estrogen and eliminate it from your body, focus on improving your digestion so that you don't get constipated at all, so that you are eliminating regularly. You know, focusing on those things, I think, can be super helpful. If you if you beef up on your, your liver health, you can speed up how how you can you can reduce estrogen basically you can speed up how fast you eliminate it you'll be less likely to to build it up so i would i would try to go from that end as well you know have have you have you noticed whenever you've worked on an increasing estrogen clearance have you noticed an increase in testosterone clearance at the same time i haven't seen it on on lab work um no. but i you know but i i, I and there's been nothing there's been i'll put it this way I have seen nothing, I've seen no negatives of improving the overall system's performance. You know what I mean? Okay. If I can if I can improve someone's health and their efficiency, um, I, I feel like there's no, no negatives to it, in my opinion, you know? Okay. No, I just wondered if you'd ever seen anything of that nature, either be it that the increase in clearance increased the metabolism of tests, or if it that the reduction of estrogen levels due to improved in clearance signaled a, an upregulation of aromatase in order to create more estrogen to compensate for that. So that's why I was curious. I don't think there is that upregulation, but you know who would be a good person to ask about this would be Victoria. I should, because I'm sure she's seen lab work uh, to, mm -hmm. to say either way. All right. What about this one? Um, oh, directed at me. Um, Scott, uh, two quick questions for you. One, um, I, I think one episode you said you were running three to 400 milligrams of test only cycle for two years. How were the results? And two, 
in average, what tier T dose will maintain muscle gain? And I, I did respond um, in uh, the comments with this, but I'll tell you what, man, the main reason I ran 300 tests long term is I felt like I, I wanted to retain muscle mass. Like I was like, oh, I got to run more and maybe this will be even better. I will tell you that in hindsight, if I were to do that again, I would have come down to a legit TRT level um, between cycles and then cycled back up. I saw no extra muscle building gains from staying at 300, honestly. Like I didn't see a difference. I didn't see a difference doing that for like a good year or two. Uh, the only thing I did notice is that my hematocrit was impossible to control. It required me to do regular phlebotomy like every month. And people remember me talking about that on the shows. Um, I'll tell you what too. I mean, although I think phlebotomy is a great tool to have in our arsenal to use it, I don't like the idea of going in routinely to have a 16 gauge needle jammed or 18 gauge needle jammed into your arm. I don't think that's just good for your vascular system to rely on that so that you can't for the rest of your life so that you can use 300 tests for TRT. I think you're much better off bringing those levels down for a period. Well, I mean, that's very much a case of I hit myself in the head with a hammer and now I've got a headache, so I'll take painkillers, but I'll keep hitting myself in the head with a hammer and keep taking painkillers. Yeah. You're creating the problem in the first instance, so why not manage the problem rather than trying to... Um, yeah, I mean, you get this all the time. You need, I need a higher dose because I'm maintaining muscle mass, etc., etc. The biggest aspect that's going to maintain your muscle mass is your training. And if you're dropping size post cycle, then the problem lies within your training or your diet, not your drugs. Yeah, because you shouldn't be dropping shitloads of size post cycle. Yeah, there'll be a slight drop of glycogen and water and fullness and everything else, but. If you're actually going backwards, then your training is garbage. It's just not working for you because yeah. drugs should be used to enhance the process, not create the process. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. They get frustrated through a lack of progress. They go on anabolics and see some progress. They then come off anabolics, see a regression in progress. So as a result, they're then driven to either stay on anabolics for longer periods of time or stay on indefinitely, this starts to create background health issues that start to develop and grow over time, when all along, the problem was, you just don't train right. Yeah, but yeah if you're going to TRT, if, if you, if you come yeah. off completely, I could see muscle loss. It's like a two step, three steps forward, two steps back approach. But you're talking if, about if going you, to a TRT, right? Yeah. Well, if you come off and recover, they sh they, you should be able to maintain any gains for at least two, three months. Longer than that, I can see a regression, yes. But short term, the yeah. window you're going to need to be ready to go back on your next cycle, you shouldn't see a great deal of regression if your training is right and you've recovered. And that's the key point, that you have recovered. Yeah. If you're not recovering, you're going to have low testosterone, which is going to result in a drop of muscle mass. Yes, without doubt. But if you're trt that isn't a concern. Yeah. So if you're regressing at that point, I'm sorry, but it, and I know nobody likes to face this. Nobody likes to look at the fact that they might be training like a pussy. But the truth is, there's something in your training that's not working. Yeah. Uh, everybody you speak to, I train hard. I train hard. 
and then they experience somebody who trains harder than them and it's that context that you need to find i encourage everybody train with as many different people as you can because then you will get a benchmark for where your training is and whether you are actually training hard or you're actually going through the motions and just think you are yep I would agree 100%. And, and, and thing to this too is the the smaller you are, the more true this is. You know, if if you're a mass monster, you know, let's say let's say you're a super heavyweight competitor, meaning you are over 225 pounds when you are stage ready. Like we're talking six percent body fat, you're at 225. That means you're probably 250 to 60 in the off season, uh, maybe bigger actually, 270. Um, and, and that guy may have a harder time maintaining progress. But if you're, say, 200 pounds, uh, you should be able to hold just about everything you've got. Yeah, I mean, at 365, I came off cycle, dropped down to 355. I had a little bit of a panic over it. But to be fair, I, could, I should have stayed off and held that for comfortable for a couple of months before pushing on to my next cycle i didn't i did go on the trt because i did panic but that that 10 pound drop was just dragged glycogen and war it's just it was a 10 pound drop because i was 365 in the first place so the glycogen and war i'm carrying is much greater than the average person but you have to be quite away pushing your genetic limit before you need gear to actually maintain as in above you know circa naturalish levels to actually maintain muscle mass, you need to have pushed your physique one hell of a long way past what you should be able to achieve naturally to, yeah. to get to that point. Okay, so apparently he doesn't want to ask me this question because he says, asking Dave, any advice on getting girls in uni in the UK? He says, I'm South Asian descent, good shape. And then he adds in his cycle, test mass cycle currently, he's 5'10". I just want to hear uncle dave's dating advice cheers i guess this could have been an uncle dave segment but we'll drop it right here in the middle of the show um are you ugly sir he's in good shape who cares if he's ugly yeah but the, the thing is you flash you, the abs you've got a, a larder with a v8 under it everyone's still gonna see a larder what's a larder a very shit eastern block car Oh, really? <laughs> they were square and made of lead. How do you spell that? L-A-D-A. -A. Oh, Lada. Yeah, skip on wheels. Um, oh, I've heard of these before. I've heard yeah, of these. So I've never seen one. If, if you're ugly, sir, you're going to have to either keep your abs out a lot or you're going to have to, yeah, beautiful car, isn't it? Or you're going to have to rely on your charming personality. Not everybody can be good looking like me and Scott. Well, <laughs> yeah. Dave, uh, which one are you then? Are you the green car or am I the green car? Are you the red car or am I the red car? I'm red for sporty. You're green for nobody wants you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are drunky um, cars, man. Those are drunky nah, cars. Nah, it, the other thing is, do you want a female to be, well, Right, so there's two levels of male males interest in relationships. One level of male interest in relationship is for gratification, i.e. getting your rocks off, and the other level is for relationship. 
if you want a relationship, don't force it, don't rush it. It will happen when it's supposed to happen. Trust me, when you stop looking for love, you always find it. If you're just after a bang, then maybe lower your standards. <laughs> there you go. You heard it. You heard it. Uncle Dave's advice for you. <laughs> All right, we got another one here that's that's kind of on the uh, psychology side in a way, um, but it's something that I don't really hear addressed a ton. He says, um, "I'm sure we all go through it. How do you guys personally deal with the mental ups and downs when it comes to usage, um, self, body image, etc.? Feeling small mid cycle after initial onset uh, felt awesome, as an example." The first thing is to realize that I think everybody struggles with this at times, um, some more frequent than others. I know pros that have small days. Yeah. Um, I know I, I know a very well-known UK bodybuilder who has refused to film on days because he felt like he was small. Yeah. Um, and he's I think I know him too. Of, probably one of the biggest pound-for-pound -pound bodybuilders ever walked the planet. Um, I've had small days at 400 pounds. Um, I know Luke Sandow had days where he, you know, he felt small. He felt he wasn't any good. I think it's something we all go through. And I think, unfortunately, it's, it's an issue within this industry that's bred within it. We are going back to my earlier rant, but not going to rant. Don't worry, Scott. Um, but we are exposed to so much social imagery that isn't quite correct. Um, and then, you know, we start to get this picture of the people and we very often struggle to see ourselves in the correct light. And the only way we can do that is if we stand next to these people and get a comparative. If you would have said to me before I met Rich Piana, who was biggest, I would have said, oh, he'll, he'll dwarf me. Yeah. But I stood next to him and he didn't. Yeah, okay, his chest was 10 times better than mine, but he didn't dwarf me. Uh, and the same with several pros that I've stood next to. Uh, but if you'd have asked me prior to meeting them, I, I would have said, oh, no, they're far, far bigger than me. Uh, they had much better quality physiques than me, that's for sure. But so it, it is difficult and it is very easy. I think sometimes data logging can help you with this in the fact that if you are taking photographs, but you are also doing measurements uh, and you are doing um, either measurements of weight or measurements of size, then you have a factual linear line of progression that is undeniable. So you might feel small and tiny halfway through the cycle, but you'd look and say, well, I've put seven pounds on and I've put half an inch on my arms, I've put an inch on my legs, I've put yeah. an inch and a half on my chest. You know you physically grow. So despite what our messed up visuals and heads are saying, it's there in black and white. The numbers don't lie. I have progressed. I am physically bigger. I measure bigger. Um, Mental health within within bodybuilding is is difficult. It, it's the chemicals don't help, the environment doesn't help, the amount of false imagery we're exposed to doesn't help. All these things play into it, as well as our own insecurities. And at the end of the day, we're insecure about the way we look, which is why we trained in the first place. Yeah, 
you know, we, we want to improve the way we look because we don't like the way we look. We've already have insecurities. And the more we get involved in that, the more time, the more money we spend on investing and improving the way we look, the more important that becomes to us, the more insecure we get about it. Absolutely. Um, the, you know, and it's, it goes across the board. It's not just amateurs, you know, pros suffer with this of all shapes and sizes. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think that, like you said, we all go through it. I think here's my advice is just stop thinking about it. You know, we, we talked about this recently on um, it's just bodybuilding. Back when I was really pushing for size at that stage in bodybuilding, we all put on big oversized shirts. We tried not to look at ourselves. We tried not to get too focused on what we looked like. We just did the most we could, you know what I mean? Banged out the weight as hard as we could, ate the food we needed to eat, and we just just like tried to dis dis disassociate, detach from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's it, it, the thing is as well, you live in your own skin. You're exposed to yourself 24-7, so very few people will grow at such a rapid rate that they see weekly changes to the point where they constantly feel like they're progressing. So it, you do get used to it, and it does become normal, uh, and, and then you start not seeing the progress, which is where the tracking of various dimensions can help you because you'll physically see it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think... I would be shocked if there's anyone on the planet that's involved in any sort of physique development that hasn't had days where they feel like they're completely going backwards at everything they're doing. Oh, I and totally I think, agree. And I think that would be the same with sports personality, sports people as well, you know, training for this event or that event. There will be days, weeks, possibly even months where they don't think they're making any progress at all. All right. Uh, it's just the head fuck of this game, unfortunately. So we got another one here. Um, so I've seen a few people come back from China with something called Stenbolone acetate. Since I'm not enhanced, uh, since I'm not an enhanced user, um, they swear it's like Oxy, um, but they do look more swole while working out and stronger. But meet them a few hours later and they look exactly the same as they did before. Isn't that called having a pump? I think so, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to see that day-to-day -day growth, you know what I mean? But you will see somebody pump up in the gym, and I've never used Sten. Had you? No. I, I had the opportunity, and there was a bunch of new products that this company had to offer, and I was uh, testing them for them and reporting to the public what I thought uh, back in the day, and I never tried it because there was too many other things to try. Ment, um what else was there? Uh, one test sip, DHB, you know, stuff like that. MHN. Yeah, yeah Scott in a candy store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never got to the Sten. Never tried the Sten. Um, no, I've oh. never tried it. Yeah, me either. Scott, thank Dave for his service of helping those um, put out by a recent blood company. Oh, so another company went out of business, it says. I'm seeing what he means now. And giving people who were worried about red markers on their bloods a quick email um, consultation on it. Well, that's cool. Well, that was very nice of you, Dave. You, you I, just gave I, some free service to people is what, what he's saying. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if if they've completely gone out of business or not. There's there's been. I don't really want to get into it because I don't want to call somebody who's involved in the same industry. But on the surface, well, I know more than on the surface. I know quite a lot about it, to be fair. But the we I noticed over the last couple of weeks, a few people that use this company were struggling to get responses and have come to us and said, look, I've got my bloods done elsewhere. I can't get any feedback on them. Would you read them for us? So we'd done it a few times over the through few weeks anyway. And then when everything went public about what had gone on, and the company does appear to have shut its doors, at least temporarily. Yeah. Um, there were a few more people saying, well, I've not been able to get feedback. I know one set of bloods had an elevated cancer marker on it, uh, and the guy was panicking. It's a cancer marker for women, not for males. So, But he didn't know that. Um, and so I just said, look, if anyone's got problems, just drop us a message, and we'll have a look at them for you. It's not a problem at all. Um, we didn't do full reports like we do for a normal customer. It was just mm. a quick email response. But at the end of the day, I know what some of our customers are like when they get the results back and they 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 open. So they get an email with the results and the report as a separate, you know, two attachments. One's results, one's report. They open the results, see a load of red. Don't read the report. Just oh go automatically into panic mode, and and they're on the phone. And go, I've just got my results back, and this is this is this is this. I said, whoa, 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 just calm down. Read the report. Some of this is lifestyle based. Some of this is just what you know happens when you use. Um, so, but you know, I mean, at that point, they're, they're extremely worried about their health. So, um, yeah. Rather than have people panicking for weeks on end, not knowing what was going on, it was like, you know, for, for what it takes for me to write an email and just say, look, this is fine, that isn't, look at this, do that, that's fine. Yeah, I'm more than happy to do it. All right, question for the next show. Um, if you were going for a fasted blood test in the morning and you used 2IU of HGH, would your insulin shoot up on the blood test? Or is it insulin, your, or is it insulin that you're taking? He's thinking maybe he's taking insulin instead of growth. Um, or is insulin high in the morning awaiting the IGF results still, HDH IGF results still? The the ideal way of doing this is to test your baseline, take the growth, and then retest again. Um, this really needs to be done at the lab that's doing the testing. These samples are time sensitive. If there's too long a delay between the blood being taken and the test being drawn, then the sample deteriorates and you don't get an accurate reading. Um, so that would be the best way. Um, the easiest way to tell if your growth is insulin or growth is take 300 IU of it and see if you snuff it. No, <laughs> is do your blood glucose reading beforehand, take it and check your BG afterwards. If it is insulin, you'll see a significant drop in your BG. Um, which you wouldn't see the same response from GH. Not that significant. You'd see some response, but it's yeah. not going to be as severe. Yeah. Um, that Have would ever, be the... Go on. Have you ever gone hypo after taking growth? No. I have, but I tend to go hypo. I've always been a more sensitive person, and I recall going back on it. I'm certain it was legit growth. It was actually hydrotropins. and uh, I took four units and went to the grocery store and immediately started coming down. It, same with if I don't time my food up right and I to take growth pre-workout, I'm much more likely to mm -hmm. have some type of a hypoglycemic incident. But you'd have much more of a stronger one if it was insulin. 
Oh yeah, I imagine I would. <laughs> having 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 passed out due to insulin before now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I never reached yeah. that point with growth. <laughs> Here's a weird one. He says, um, "Why is my hair thicker and denser when he's on 350 test and 175 mass P? I'm really confused." Vigorous sheep. <laughs> he's got a picture of Steve on there too. Look at that. Oh, I love that. Are you sure it's not Steve on an alternative? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, that's weird. This is a, do you guys also says? Do you guys think uh, Anivar burns fat? Because I did recall a study that said Anivar burns fat, especially visceral fat. Wasn't Anivar reported to increase the conversion of T4 to T3? Is that so? Hmm. Hmm, which would make sense. I've I have heard in all the um, the little write ups, you know, the online write ups for steroid profiles that Anavar can burn fat. Though I would say this, I would not, I wouldn't use it specifically for that purpose. You know, I, I, well, there's there's secondary potential actions here as well. So you've got using Anavar as a standalone product, you'll have a lowering of estrogen, which would help with fat loss. Also, a uh, potential increase in, in basal muscularity, which would help with fat loss because it would increase metabolism, etc. So there's a few secondary actions as well. But I, I do believe Anavar. I know I can't. You know when you you you've heard something you don't know. Did I? Did that come from a legit source? Yeah. Or was that just some sort of bullshit conversation I had with someone years ago and I can't remember? where it all came from. But I've somewhere in the back of my head saying that Anavar increases T4 to T3 conversion. Okay, so um, just a thing I looked at online, it says um, Anavar can significantly reduce the thyroid binding globulin as well as increase thyroxin binding. So that would lower, that would make T4 inert and T3 3, if I'm, if I'm reading that right. I don't know. Anyway, uh, what was the other question? The first part. Oh, the first part. He just mentioned. Uh, he mentioned that his hair is thicker um, while on cycle using testing a DHT, testing mast, which uh, sounds mm -hmm. weird to me. Hmm. But then tests can increase hair growth uh, over areas of the body as well. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's lucky. And, uh, you know, it just, I, I'd call that luck. If you, if you went, if you ran like 10 years of cycles and you have thicker hair afterward, you have your genetic marvel. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> you're just jealous. That's all it is. <laughs> you're just jealous because you're fighting. Somebody, uh, somebody asked us uh, in the last month on, um, it's just bodybuilding. Why is it that, um, all the new pros seem to have a good full head of hair when all the older guys have all gone, the last generation's all gone bald. And Dusty's reply was, give them five years. Give them five years as pros and let's see where they're at, you know? Or they keep going to Turkey. Yeah? Is that where you get the hair transplants? From from UK, yeah. Turkey teeth and turkey hair, yeah. Okay. For teeth as well? You go to Turkey for yeah, your teeth? Yeah. Yeah. They get the good medical system there. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> just just cheap. Uh, actually, I, I think it's so. I believe, if I remember this rightly, the British dentists have now refusing to treat anybody who's had their teeth done in Turkey. 
Oh, I've heard that about people who go to Mexico here. I've heard yeah. horror stories of them not doing a great job and then people, doctors in the U.S. having to fix it. I mean, I believe there'll be good and bad in all of it at the end of the day. I'm sure, sure there's company, companies out there that are decent. Um, oh, I wanted to mention this. Guy said, um, so last week we talked about a guy who had low estrogen. He was one of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you for that. And he had low estrogen even on cycle. And somebody said, the guy at 41 minutes with a super low estrogen on cycle is likely using Research Chem ADEX or a liquid form with a milliliter measurement. And he's simply overdosing by accident or it's dosed too strong. Spoiler, he didn't take any ADEX. He was on no ADEX at all. He had low estrogen. So one of our listeners heard about this whole conversation. He messaged me on DM on uh, Instagram and uh, he showed me his prescription bottle for estrogen. So this dude does not convert much to the point where he actually, he said it was a game changer that he actually takes estrogen while on cycle. For growth, yeah, I can believe it, yeah, definitely. Because he, had, he doesn't convert, he has low estrogen <coughs> no matter what on cycle, so he actually has to supplement it. You've got to remember, there will be people with genetic anomalies. I mean, what I've discussed in the past, the guy who on a cruise didn't shut down. Okay. He yeah. still produced natural testosterone, even though he was on TRT. Once he went over 500 mg, he shut down. But when he was on like 150, 200 mg a week, he was still producing natural testosterone. Yeah. Um, and, and so you do get, you know, you do get anomalies. You do get people that are just left to center with it. Um, they're not common, but it can occur. So you need to be open-minded as well that sometimes that people are just going to be different yeah yeah i was trying to find that comment i can't find so do you it. mind getting off your okay. phone in the middle of it you're going about me and you sat there scrolling through your phone oh yeah dave go ahead yeah this is really great information dave really good yeah just, really just good. looking at grinder like you usually do <laughs> that's really good dave yeah oh uh, what did you say sorry i missed Nothing that last not, part it's I was trying to find that guy's uh, comment because he sent pictures, too, of the estrogen he's using. But I, I can't scroll down to, to find it and also listen to you. You two blokes doing a good job. Did I say that I, good that time? I wouldn't agree, personally, but thank you. Last week, I used the word bloke, and you said it didn't sound like I was saying it naturally. Did that sound you, more you natural this time? It's a little bit, yeah, because you were reading it rather than trying to create it in your own brain. Okay. Any idea what kinds of exercises are best for raising HDL? High-intensity cardio. Lots of it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, intense, intense exercise will help to improve HDL from what I understand. So, you know, how much intense exercise do you want to do? How, like high high intensity? You can burn up all your muscle? I don't know. Any thoughts on squat, that one, Dave? Squat jogs. Squat jogs, how does that work? <laughs> it's a reference from a film, you don't watch films. So anyone who's seen Four Lions will know exactly what I'm going on about. All right, question for Dave and stuff. <laughs> Let's assume blood work looks great at the start of a cycle. Oh, by the way, this is Chris from Patreon. Um, okay, midway through cycle, horrible at the end. After going off, bloods look good again after six weeks. When would be a not-so-reckless point 
to start a blast again. So, I, um, I'm trying to think of a way of, of saying this that makes sense. Go on cycle, obviously the toxicity builds up through the cycle and at the back end of the cycle you you see your bloods have a reflection of this, bloods have gone bad, be it low HDL, high hematocrit, whatever it be, but, but bloods are starting to reflect the fact that your body is struggling. So you come off. It takes a period of time for the body to balance back out. In this case, you're saying that after about six weeks, bloods look good again. The thing is... Going back on cycle at that point, you're going to get one or two things. The first thing is the toxicity stress buildup is going to happen sooner on the following cycle because you've only just literally got your buds back to normal and now you're starting to add compounds that are going to start to adulterate them again. Yeah. So on the second cycle, you'll find your bloods will go bad sooner. Mm. The other point is that you've not had any time with good bloods. You just like recovered it and then immediately is what you're yeah. saying going back yeah, in. So, yeah, so for argument's sake, let's take HDL as, as a blood marker that we're going to use for this example. Okay. You've gone, you've gone on cycle. HDL is good. As the cycles progress, HDL is progressively lowered. Last three weeks of the cycle, HDL is significantly or at least low enough to be concerning that it needs improving. You come off cycle, you spend six weeks improving your HDR. You then go back on cycle and the whole process starts to repeat itself, HDL starts to lower again. You've only actually got a short period of time in that whole window of what you're doing where HDL is in a good place. The rest of the time, it's in a bad place. So your net over the time is HDL in a negative position rather than a positive position. So if you want to offset the periods of time where your health markers are negative, you need periods of time where your health mark aren't just recovering, but where they're good. Understood. So your balance point for good health marker period is in this scenario at the six-week point when your bloods are back to being good. That then is the period of time that you spend in a healthy range that's your health phase. That's your phase of looking after yourself before you then go back into a cycle and start to create negative impacts on your health markers again. Not, oh, I've just reached the point where I'm healthy, so now I'm going to screw it all up. Understood. Does that make, did that yeah. make sense? That makes total sense. Right, okay. I think we've got one more here from Stephen, also from Patreon. He says, question for Dave and Scott. Cycle test E. 500 for 20 weeks now he's down to 200 since then um uh, upon dropping he developed acne um absolutely no issues with it at a higher dose at roughly the same time he switched to a new supply but the same ugl um in moderate but uncomfortable uh chest and back acne began it's now been he's now been using it for two months with no change. He's using acne wash, etc. Is this the result of the compound being different or a different oil or some dissolving agent? There's a few things that this could be, and one probably something that he's not considered in the slightest. 
Yes, change of oils, change of carrier oils, different levels of solvents could have an impact on your skin quality and acne, definitely. So that is definitely potentially part of the problem. The other thing is that you were running at 500 milligrams, which would have created an elevated level in your testosterone levels, and you would have an estrogen level to uh, reflect that. You may have used some estrogen management to keep that estrogen lower, um when you finished your cycle i'm suspecting that if you were using estrogen management you stopped it estrogen runs literally up to as much as two weeks in lag behind test okay yeah so when test hits peak estrogen won't hit peak for two weeks so the first thing that we can see is that estrogen starts to drop while he, sorry, test starts to drop post-cycle while estrogen is still climbing or staying elevated. And then we have a negative ratio with test to estrogen, i.e. estrogen is higher than test. Particularly if you're using an AI and you've pulled that out, we can also see a rebound effect with aromatase as well if you've been using something like ADEX. Uh, you don't get a, a rebound with aromasin, but you do with ADEX and letrozole. So there's the first thing. The second thing is that if you've stopped a cycle and gone straight on to a cruise, what happens is obviously we we inject, our levels come up, and then they start to drop steadily in line with the half-life. So at the end of your cycle, you're at pleat test levels. They start to drop, but every time you inject 200 mg, they're pushed back up from that base point, mm -hmm. which is higher than natural. As a result, it can literally still be above range eight months later. Eight months? Sorry, it's two months later, eight weeks okay. later. Okay, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, eight, eight, eight weeks later. I, I've seen elevated testosterone at week eight, seven, eight, and, and then only start to drop at week nine and ten. Um, so there is the potential that your acne is being driven by the fact that your test is still artificially elevated and that your estrogen is high and you have no estrogen management in place because you stopped it because you're running your cycle. It could be the compound, i.e. the carrier oils, yes, or it could be that you have um, a poor estrogen to testosterone balance at this current time yep. because you think you're on 200 mgs worth of tests when actually your test levels are reflecting a dose that's higher. I, I bet it's that. That would be my guess is the estrogen to testosterone levels balanced. I, I would think that was it. And you know what, too? I had a, a client recently in the last few months that was absolutely terrified of the idea of discontinuing all shots for a couple of weeks after cycle before starting the PCT. Like he messaged me, I sent him the email, and then shortly later after he saw it, he sent me a message like, hey, man, I've never stopped you know, after I got on TRT, I've never not, I've never missed a dose. He literally was like, what's going to happen? Am I going to lose muscle in that two week period of time? But what, what's really happening there, Dave? So uh, it's difficult without being able to use a drawing to show this, but as you go on a cycle, your test level starts to climb. Most cycles are going to see a peak plasma level somewhere around week six, maybe even as long as week eight if you're on a big dose. At that point, it starts to level off. And, of course, uh, the ester, assuming we're yeah. using like an ethate or something, right? Yeah, it's well, assuming long ester here. You'll get some fluctuations between peak and trough of injections, but generally it's relatively stable at this point. 
as it's rising, the testosterone, estrogen's coming up at the back of it. So you've got tests will always be higher than estrogen for quite a while into the cycle. Then as the test levels off a couple of weeks later, the estrogen will level off behind it, depending on where you are. When you finish your cycle, so I said I did 10 weeks, 500 milligrams, and my 500 milligrams is producing me a N mole reading of 80 N mole. Okay, so at the end of end of 10 weeks at 500 milligrams, my test level is 80 N mole. I stop my injections and I move to TRT. So I wait one week. My 80 is going to drop and it's going to drop roughly down to about 50 N mole. Then I'm going to put my TRT in that's going to push my N mole back up to about 70. Yeah. And then another week later, it's dropped down to about 35, 40. And then I'm going to put another, it's going to push it back up to 60, 65. These are made up numbers, but they give you a rough idea of where it's going to sure. be. <clears throat> so I'm now three weeks post injection and I'm still running at 65 N mole because my TRT starts straight away. Yeah. If I do nothing, then my test level starts to drop. So it goes from 80, end of week one, we're looking in the 60s, end of week two, we're starting to look around the, the, the 40, 35 mark. And you could even push into as long as two and a half weeks. Then I start my TRT and it pops back up. And then I start to tabilize at that dose. Yeah. And so I've allowed everything to come down, get back into TRT ranges wherever I'm wanting my TRT ranges to be before I start using my TRT, and then I don't have this compounding effect that keeps the, the levels elevated for an extended period of time. Yeah, a a, fantastic a guys, explanation. A lot of guys are doing eight-week breaks, and they've never actually dropped anywhere near natural levels. No, yeah, yeah. All right, Dave, well, that's all we have time for. Do you have any other Uncle Dave advice for us today? I know you gave us date, Uncle Dave's dating advice. Um, we, do Which you remember we said... Remember we used to have the Ask Davey segment mm. where we would, guys, you probably don't remember that, but it was a while ago. We had Uncle Ask Davey and it was, you could write in to Dave for relationship advice. And we had a lot of fun with that one. If you guys have any Ask Davey questions, you could, you could post them up and we will, uh, we'll definitely make sure we get to those next week. Um, but Dave, do you have anything for us? Any, any thoughts, any, uh, anything you'd like to share? More an observation, I think, on life rather than actual advice. Okay. As I've got older, I've found I value time more than things. Yeah. So when I was younger, I thought I had all the time in the world. I chased money. I chased cars. Uh, I was particularly bad for cars. Um, materialistic things. Yeah. As I've got older, I still appreciate nice cars. I still like nice cars. A, a friend of mine just bought an SF90 Ferrari uh, Cabriolet. Beautiful car. You got some rich friends. Uh, well, I wouldn't say he's a close friend. Um, very nice guy, to be honest. If there's anyone on the planet that deserved one, he, he did. Um, his, his brother's bought him for his birthday. But um, beside the point, and, and beautiful car. Absolutely love it. You know, would, would, but I find that for me, my perception of value has changed, and I find my time much more valuable now 
than I used to. Maybe it's because I know I've not got lots of it left. But as, as time's gone on, the desire to have a nice vehicle, even though I do still appreciate them very much, is replaced by a desire to be able to just sit and enjoy time. Yeah, I hear you on that. I really do. Uh, and it's, it's obviously an age thing. It's obviously just something that we, we go through as we age. We start to realize that that time thing is now not unlimited. Yeah. Uh, and, and you start to see... I, I think I would view it differently if I, if I was in a different financial position, though, as well. I must admit, you know, the fact that I've, I've got to a point in life financially where I can start to enjoy time as well. Because you're rich. Slightly, Is that what you're telling no, us? I'm, no, I'm not. Far <laughs> from it. You know, that's the, that's the other thing. My standards of achievement have dropped massively. Okay. So 10, 15 years ago, I'd be striving for an expensive car, a, a very expensive house, this, that, and the other. Now I'm much more happy with where I am financially, and I'm not driven to progress financially. That's gone. I'm more driven now to progress with my time. Yeah. So uh, it's much more important to me to have more quality time than it is to achieve more financial success. So are you and telling I, the new the listeners who are, you know, arguably a lot of them are younger than us. We do have people that are our, our age. We have people... Uh, in the demographic of like the 18 to 24, 24 to 35, the 24 to 35 crew, you guys are strong here on the channel, as is the like the 39 to 50, I think, something like that. But the 24 I, to 39 or something like that, those guys are real powerful on this channel. So are you talking to them? What would you tell them right now in regards to I, this? I would say may work hard when you're younger even though you are more tempted to enjoy life. Okay. Um, because the trappings of life are more seductive, i.e. fast cars, you know, party and all the rest of it. Work hard when you're younger, invest wisely when you're younger, so that when you are 45, 50, you can actually stop, still be young enough to enjoy life and have a much greater appreciation for what you do enjoy. Yeah, um, I think I think as males we are very slow to find ourselves. Yeah, it took me a long time, man. It took me mm. like getting into recovery and stuff. It wasn't until my thirties when I actually started figuring it out, and then I'd say it wasn't until I like hit thirty nine forty that I actually was on a path. You know? Yeah. No, I took me I took me going to prison for four and a half years to to discover myself. Hmm. The best thing that ever happened to me. No kidding. By far. Not from a point of view as it rehabilitated me as a person because did it hell is like not in one bit. There's no rehabilitating what, Dave, guys. What it did do was force me to look at myself and who I was and just accept who I was. Yeah. Uh, warts and all, I, I just, I, I, I had a period of time in life where I was able to actually look at myself and go, right, this is me. There's elements of me I don't like. There's elements of me I'm not proud of. There's elements of me that has done awful things, but there's elements of me that has done good things. There's elements of me that I do like. But I took stock of that and accepted me. Ugly bits, dirty bits, and nice bits and all. And then I started to make a conscious decision about what did I want to change? 
what would it require for that change and did I feel that the effort to that change was worth what I felt I was going to get out of it uh, and and I'm very comfortable with who I am other people might not be but as far as I'm concerned that's their problem I'm very very comfortable with who I am um, I, I don't have issue with who I am I don't sit and look at myself with regret or, or anything of that nature at all but yeah as I've got older I've, I've found more value in 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 time and, and in the simpler things in life and though I still enjoy the nice things of life I find less driven to achieve them because i feel the cost now is much greater all right well with that said we appreciate everybody tuning in and as i mentioned before leave questions for the next show um if you're in the uk and you want to get your lab work done you can get so you can get it done at evalbloodanalysis.com and uh dave will hook you up with that of course uh check out strong sports nutrition also if you're in the uk great health stacks there especially if you're on and supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Thank you to truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK over there. All sorts of high quality proteins and carb powders from inexpensive carb powders to like the Cadillac highly brain cyclic dextrin. And did I mention supplementsource.ca for Canadians already? I can't remember. Plus, um, Patreon. Thank you guys, everybody from Patreon. We appreciate you. Dave, I'm working on a shirt. I'm working on a Christmas cabbage shirt. I just got this one okay. done. Look, it feels weird wearing a picture of a shirt with a picture of me on it. Yeah, it, it looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I notice you haven't used your physique, though. You've used someone else's body but your face. Yeah, I just cut my face out and I put it on somebody else's body, a fashion model's body. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I thought that was great. All right, guys, we I appreciate did. you tuning in for another episode of Doug Stop. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure.